Hello, everyone. This is Severin Henderson back again with another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast. Today, I have a guest. Um, well, I can finally say it's not somebody that's just my friend, but there, it is someone that's on the same podcast and platform and team that I'm on. So it's kind of a crosstalk show. So this time, you can't always say you're just getting your buddies and <laughs> that's the only people you're getting. But like I said, after this, we probably will be buddies because I'm I'm a friendly guy. Absolutely, <laughs> I like having buddies. So we have Thomas Crawl today. Thomas Crawl um, hosts the Alpha Concepts podcast. Like I said, on Fire and Iron Media, we're gonna talk about gun stuff, everything that has to do with guns, everything that that speaks to guns, everything that goes with guns. He knows about it. I just told him I listened to every episode of his podcast, and he is very knowledgeable, and his um, guests that he have on are very knowledgeable as well. So without any further hesitation, we'll get into speaking with Thomas Crawl. Thomas, how are you? I'm doing great. That was an awesome intro. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, like I told you when I came through the door, it's nice to meet you in person. Um, just for your sake, I just go through... Just general questions, no real curveballs, nothing sure. nasty or anything like that. So let's start off. Who are you exactly, Thomas? Uh, so uh, I am a firearm instructor in the Chicagoland area. Um, I've been uh, teaching students to uh, safely and legally carry a concealed firearm since uh, 2013. I am one of the first uh, concealed carry instructors uh, in the state of Illinois, and that is uh, you know, my passion that... Uh, uh, I, I absolutely enjoy and I and I love doing, and that's you know to oversimplify my life, right? I'm a, a father, a husband. Uh, those uh, the most important thing in my life is uh, my family, and uh, the second most important thing in my life is my right to keep and bear arms. And coincidentally, uh, the sec the reason uh, that that is so high on my list of priorities is because of my family. It's my duty to uh, to protect them, and I take that very seriously. Okay, I'm with that. That that that's a great introduction to yourself. <laughs> um, now you said you were one of the first firearm instructors in Illinois. Um, I'm from Ohio originally, and I remember when we first got concealed carry, it was everybody was up in arms. Like, People are gonna be dead in the street. It's gonna be like the wild wild west. But that didn't happen, did it? That did not happen. That's what I was gonna say. Crime actually went down. Um, you know, they said when good people have guns, crime tends to go down, and it, it did go down. What's the issue here in Illinois that you think that made it, like I said, that was in 09, I think, for me um, personally. What do you think took so long to, would you say, 2013? Correct. Well, uh, yeah, there was, um, so let, let's start off and say that the, uh, the legislators who run this state do not want us to have guns. Uh, that's uh, very obvious. Uh, based upon the uh, the bills that they're always kind of uh, introducing every legislative session. And it was only through a court order that uh, we were allowed to uh, to have firearms in the state of Illinois. And I can, you know, go into the, the case. Uh, but the, the bottom line was there there was a case of, uh, of a woman who uh, was licensed to carry in other states that lived here. Uh, her and a co-worker were beaten almost to death. Uh, a court case uh, went through the courts, took us several years. Uh, and and ultimately, the uh, federal appeal court ruled that uh, they cannot uh, ban us from carrying firearms outside the house. Um, then, uh, of course, a concealed carry law was passed, and we were 
able to start carrying guns in uh, 2014. So uh, it is uh, not something that they the the legislators gave to us as a as a gift. Uh, you know, crumbs for the peasants. It was uh, something that they were forced to do. Okay, so it it wasn't just here you go. They we had to do some work as a state, or the state had to do some work yeah, to this, actually get this going. The State Rifle Association, the National Rifle Association, the Second Amendment Foundation, um, they were the the ones that worked on on this uh, this case to uh, get us our rights back. Okay, so like you said it when I was talking about how crime actually went down. I remember I, I, I another conversation I had with a buddy's um, father. He said, man, you up there in Chicago and they got all kind of stuff going on with gun and violence and everything else. What do you think need to happen? I said, I think it need to be more guns. He said, more guns? <laughs> that, that doesn't make no sense. I said, well, in Ohio, from personal experience seeing it, stuff went down. So speak to me about that because... The- there is a, an awesome book um, that anytime someone says, well, what do you mean more guns? The answer is not more guns. Well, actually, statistically, it is. Um, more guns equal less crime by John Lott. Uh, Dr. John Lott, I forget, but John Lott is the author, More Guns Equal Less Crime, and he breaks down the national statistics about how um, when gun laws are uh, reduced, um, crime goes down, um, you know, you can argue all day about theory back and forth, but when you have real life data to back up your claims, then that's something that uh, is important. Um, the problem here is, right, in the city of Chicago, most of the crime is not committed by people who have gone out and purchased their firearms legally. Uh, in the state of Illinois, you've got to have the firearm owner identification card. That is a background check in itself. Then you have another background check when you buy your firearm. These people that are committing crimes are getting their guns illegally. No amount of law is going to stop someone um, because, by definition, criminals don't obey the law. And when you empower someone to be able to uh, defend themselves and to fight back, um, you know, yes, crime goes down because criminals, listen, you know, you can say what you want, but they don't want to die, most right. of them anyway, right? Right. So uh, they're going to go after uh, easy targets. They're, you know, if they're uh, confronted with someone that, uh, you know, is able to fight back, they may uh, make a, start second-guessing their career choices. A different decision. Because mm-hmm. it's like if you can prey on someone that you know doesn't have anything, it makes it that much easier just to show the gun. Not even if I'm going to shoot you. I'm just going to say, hey, look got this gun, you better do what I say. If they got something back, then I'm a little less hesitant to run up on somebody and sure. do that. Um, I'm sorry, I, I just got some paper and I love homework. So <laughs> could you give me that book um, and author one more time, please? Uh, More Guns Equal Less Crime by John Lott. More Guns Equal Less Crime. Okay. So we talked about, you know, the concealed carry issue and everything. And like I said, I listened to all your podcasts and they a lot of conversation is surrounding the NRA and how the NRA has mm-hmm. a lot of negative issues going on around it. I know you had one person that was on there, they were running for a board seat and giving explanations why he was talking about Carl Malone was on there. Um another country singer was on there and just to kind of show. So can you give me a brief for my audience that haven't sure. heard your show yet? What's the what's going on with the NRA right now? So uh, just a 
just to be fair, to let you guys know that I am working on having an NRA representative uh, appear on my podcast as well. I think that is uh, uh, the fair and the right thing to do. And, you know, I'm not an NRA hater. I, I absolutely love, um, you know, I, I like to say that the NRA is myself and five million of my closest friends because the NRA is the membership. Um, the the problem with the NRA is is, is in some of the leadership. Um, you've got some spending issues. You've got some laws that may have been violated. Um, you've got. Uh, Listen, you know what? All of that, uh, as far as the spending issues, may be uh, forgivable, right? If um, you didn't have issues like on bump stocks, which is just a silly piece of plastic, and the NRA kind of got wishy-washy. You know, oh, well, um, you know, let's let, instead of taking a hardline stance and say, you know, we are against every single uh, gun law, which is, you know, I am. Uh, I believe every single gun law is a crime against humanity. When you really understand the purpose of the Second Amendment, I think any logical person would agree as well. So to have any compromise whatsoever when it comes to gun law, um, you're compromising on your right. You're compri- compromising on your ability to defend yourself, your family, not only against an attacker, but against tyranny. And and we need an organization that's going to say, you know, absolutely zero inches. No, this is the line in the sand. You shall not pass. And no, we're not going to give an inch on bump stocks. Well, you know, we have to give bump stocks because if we don't give bump stocks, they're going to come after semi-automatic rifles. So it, herein comes the compromise. And that turned a lot of people off. And they're taking a similar stance with red flag laws and um, and that's turning a lot of people off as well. So, you know, you've got suspending issues, you've got some possible uh, uh, laws that may have been broken when it comes to nonprofit. Uh, you've got these uh, compromises that the membership is just starting to get frustrated with. And, you know, like all things, um, everything that is good and, and the leadership has done great things for gun owners uh, in, in the United States. Don't get me wrong. It's not all bad. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's time to let go and and let the next generation take over. And my personal belief is we're at that time. Okay. Well, I totally understand what you're saying about the NRA. And sometimes it goes bad. Sometimes it goes good. We have, in our fire association, we have some leadership issues at the top. And I appreciate you saying you're not just being an NRA hater. You actually want to bring on other people to give their standpoint so people can make informed decisions not just listen to one side of a story and get the whole thing so exactly i really appreciate that um now you mentioned red flag can you explain to me what red flag operations are so to to summarize it obviously it's a multiple page law right and it includes a lot of things but what the red flag law um, specifically, each state has their own law. There's not a uh, federal law. Not every state has a red flag law, but Illinois does have a red flag law, which allows uh, certain people, uh, I believe it's uh, immediate family members and the um, police, um, to say that you are a danger and you should have your firearms removed. And um, there is a small, in Illinois, there is a small amount of due process that comes with it. You have to prove your uh, innocence, which is completely uh, contrary to our entire justice system, which is based upon the premise of innocent until proven guilty. guilty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but not every state even has that uh, level of law. And, and let me even take it a step further. Um, Illinois had red flag laws before red flag was even a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, through uh, orders of protection, 
motion, through uh, things like that, there are mechanisms that um, it's, it's not uncommon. And I spoke to someone, unfortunately, just a few days ago who's going through a, a, a bad divorce and uh, his... Um, his ex-wife's lawyer uh, filed an order of protection against him, uh, and that triggers uh, the revocation of, of your gun rights, which you know you can eventually get back years later, and it takes process and takes money, and um, you know so this has been on the books for quite a long time. So just in the broadest sense, uh, red flag laws allow. Uh, your guns to be taken away uh, for a very broad number of reasons, uh, and and you have to prove your uh, you have to prove your innocence. You have to prove your worthiness. So you're you're backwards on it. You're guilty until proven innocent, instead of innocent until proven guilty. When you examine any gun law, you're always guilty until proven innocent. And I challenge anyone to prove me wrong on that. Uh, you know, you can be just simply have a warrant out for your arrest, and your your uh, gun laws. Uh, I'm sorry, your gun rights are. Going to be revoked, and, and a warrant is you, they want to arrest you. You have not yet been convicted, charged, right? And, and people will say, you know, hey, well, you want criminals to have guns? No, absolutely not. I, I, I don't want dangerous people uh, to have guns. But you know, we have rights for a reason, and we cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. We can't give up our rights for maybes and what ifs, and and we can't, you know turn our back on the premise of our justice system where you're, you're, you're innocent until the burden of proof is on the state to prove that you're guilty. And then at that point in time, um, you know, when, when you've been proven beyond a reasonable uh, doubt, then, um, you know, yeah, prisoners uh, go, go to jail and they should get some reform. I mean, that, that is what it originally, people, you know, bump the constitution and say, you know, want to go by the letter of the law. That's fine. That's cool. But like you just said, it's innocent until it's it says innocent until proven guilty, not the other way around. But with guns, it's different. So you talked about the bump stock and the red flag also um, under what's going on with the NRA now, and they're giving stuff back. Um, as far as giving stuff back with the like presidential, because we're in America, shouldn't this be going like more freedom with guns or no? I guess can rephrase your question. So like, I re when Obama was around, mm -hmm. all my buddies that I work with was saying Obama gonna take our guns, mm -hmm. and that like didn't happen. Right. And now that we have Trump, you saying stuff went a different way. Yes. So is Trump? taking our guns or like with the bump stock and the red flag? So he, Donald Trump issued a um, directive to the Department of Justice to examine bump stocks to see if they fall within the definition of machine gun under the letter of the law. The Department of Justice, Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearm decided that, yes, bump stocks are machine guns and therefore should be re, uh, regulated like machine guns are regulated. Um, did Donald Trump directly take away our bump stocks? No. Um, however, he was the one who issued the directive. Now, playing devil's advocate because a lot of my friends, you know, you can point out the facts and th those are the facts. Mm -hmm. But a lot of my friends are quick to point out the, the whole uh, 4D chess uh, scenario, which is, well, he did that on purpose so that they can uh, eventually in court be ruled as not a machine gun and therefore, uh, it, you know, it's on the books, we have a court order, et cetera. And, and, and in the long run, it's a short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain. And all I can say to that is, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Okay. Well, that's 
that's a great answer because that's what I was trying to figure out. Like I said, I listened to your show and they said they had Eric Trump on the cover of the NRA and and he's against us. And I said, well, I don't understand how he's against. The well, you NRA. also have to understand something. Um, a father is not his son, and a son is not his father. Absolutely uh, correct. <laughs> and so, you know, to have one person on the cover doesn't equate that the other person has one belief one way or the other. Yep, that that makes total sense. I'm with that. Okay, so you brought up um, the FOIA card, and we have that in Illinois. Are we the only place to have a FOIA card, or is that, how does that go? So the uh, Illinois Firearm Owner Identification Card is unique to Illinois in the fact that it is a state law, not a federal law. Um, there are a few other states, I think off the top of my head, four other states like New Jersey and possibly California that have uh, a firearm owner identification law on the books. Um, but it, it, most states, and for sure the vast majority, you know, again, off the top of my head, I, I, you know, I'd say 80, 90% of states don't have this type of firearm owner identification law. Mm -hmm. Is it like... A money issue, you think, or is it just our state and how it is? Just so you know, I don't like to spread rumors, but I will say that the rumor where the Foyd came uh, along was 1968, and uh, at at the time, Mayor Daley, not not the Mayor Daley we may know, but his father, who uh, uh, controlled the city uh, and indeed had uh, tentacles in national politics as well, <laughs> uh, Mayor Daley uh, Senior. Um, you know, the, the riots in Chicago were going on in 1968. Right. And um, so the, the rumor is, and I, I've searched, I've spent time trying to find this. I may have to go through newspaper archives to find this, but the rumor is uh, he basically uh, didn't want the people who were rioting to have guns and because he knew he couldn't uh, ban guns or register guns, uh, he came up with the gun owner registry to, to hinder and to slow down the process uh, that would prevent people from getting their hands on firearms because back then, uh, you know, they were a little bit more expedient processing uh, firearm owner identification cards, and, and that would be a month, whereas now it's taking, you know, almost half a year, four months, three months, even, you know, like I said, almost half a year in some cases to get uh, a piece of plastic that is a permission slip to not even buy a gun, but to even touch a gun at a gun store. Right. To even look at it, you yep. have to have the FOIA card. Though. Some gun stores won't even allow you in the store without showing your FOIA card. Yep, I, I've seen that. Like when I first moved here, I didn't have a FOIA card, and they're like, yeah, you can't come in here. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's another place I went, and they actually let you in to apply for the card, sure. which was most cool. Most will. Most will let you in. They'll even let you, you know, if they have a range, and you come with someone who has a FOIA card, they'll let you shoot on the range. Mm -hmm. uh, you can buy. Here's the thing about the FOIA card. Um, you, as an, if, if you come from another state and you have a driver's license or an ID in another state, you can come here and you can actually buy ammunition, no problem, without a FOID card. So people from other states can be trusted, but Illinois residents, we, are, we can't be trusted. There's just something inherently untrustworthy about us. <laughs> okay. So... As far as the FOIA card go, we had a little mini conversation before we started, and I was saying that part of the reason I I began my podcast, blogging, vlogging, all of that was to talk about first responder suicides. Um, I'm a first responder. I actually went to police academy. I was a paramedic. I'm a firefighter now, so I have all those under my belt, and I know about the struggles on all three sides. And here in Illinois... 
not for a fireman. I mean, if you lose your FOIA card, you just lose your FOIA card. But for our police officers, we just had a police officer commit suicide. And I don't want to say it. I don't even know why. I just want to open up and have the conversations to let people know they have other options. But if you lose your FOIA card as a police officer in the state of Illinois, you can't have a job. So how are we supposed to get people help if they say anything, they're going to lose their gig? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a big problem, and it applies not just to uh, police officers, but to armed security, to firearm instructors, to anyone that uh, relies on that firearm to earn a living. You know, it should not be that you have to choose between uh, feeling, um, you know, depressed, feeling sad versus being able to put food on the table because I'll tell you what, I, you know, nine times out of ten, most people are going to, choose their job because that you know hey I, I i started out the intro talking about the reason why i'm into guns is, is because of my duty to protect my family right so now if if i was going through some things in my life and we all do every single one of us does from time to time we go through things you know you, i'd be risking if that was the case hypothetically speaking i would be risking having the ability to put food on my table and to pay my mortgage um, I would be risking that ability to get the care that I would need, right? So that's not a good position for anybody to ever be in. And unfortunately, that's the position that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in Illinois alone uh, are in. And, and, you know, then look at the rest of the country, you know, and they have very similar type laws, especially when it comes to red flags or it comes to any of these state owner identification cards, you know, they're all going to be in that same position of, you know, for whatever reason, they may be into guns for personal protection, for uh, recreation, for, um, you know, uh, for, for their job, their livelihood. You know, when you start talking about taking that away, now you make someone second guess wanting to get help. Someone who, listen, if you say to yourself, I think I need help, you do. Right? right. If you're second guessing right. that now, you're te you're telling someone that okay, let's yeah, but do you really really need help? Is it really really worth <laughs> it? Is it, you it know? worth your livelihood to get help? And, and that's not a, that's not the answer. That's not a position that anyone should be placed in. And because of that, um, you know, I think there's people that could be helped mm -hmm. that aren't getting help. And to me, speaking from my profession. It, at this point, it's past a job. I mean, I get paid, yes, great. Um, but it's more of a lifestyle as I live, is what I do. So the same thing with a lot of police officers. They're not just there like, oh, it's a job, let me clock in and clock out. This is their livelihood, this is what they do. Some of them actually like <laughs> what they do. So to say, hey, I need some help and can't get that help, but then you have to find other ways because you know you're gonna lose your card isn't, isn't cool to me. So my question to you is how if anything, is there any way we can change this or get some help on so that? So there is a service called Walk the Talk America, okay? And um, it's a nonprofit service. Um, they have on their website kind of like a, a self-help quiz where mm -hmm. you answer some questions and they'll tell you, you know, kind of like, yeah, you, you might want to go seek some help. Um, and so there's resources that are out there, right? Um, and that would probably, in, in my estimation, going to that uh, Walk the Talk uh, website, I think it's Walk the Talk America, but going to that website would be uh, the very first step. If you think you need help and you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, 
you know, I tell my students in my concealed carry class, I'll say, call me, call me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes all you need is just a, a sounding board. But uh, go to that website and, you know, look at some of their resources. Uh, take their self-help quiz, you know, and, and do what you got to do um, to get the help that you need. Because if you're, look it, if your decision is, I'll lose my job, I won't be able to feed my family, let me ask you a question. Will you be able to feed your family if you're no longer here? Right. Obviously. You, well. So, okay, well. <laughs> well, I mean, go, go, go ahead. Well, yeah, life insurance, okay, but man, that's, that's, that's. Uh, that's sticky and tricky. and You, uh, you, you might not always get it. Right. You might not always get it. You might not. You can't plan it. You, you have no control if you're not here. So yeah. I agree with you. But just speaking from talking to people. I know that sometimes is a factor in their mind. They say, well, if I'm not here, I got this life insurance policy, and if something happened, my family would get, like, all this super money. So sometimes that is a... But will your life insurance cover a suicide? Not all of them not do. Not all of them do. You're, you're very correct. So, And if you're sitting here right now reading your policies, trying to disturb, <laughs> go get some help. Trying to figure out if that's the case, right, yeah. go get some help. Um. When we were talking before, you brought up the riots in um, in '68, and that's how the Foy card. So maybe rumor wise, rumor, came, yeah, yeah, right. I'm, it's not, not, it's not, not for gospel, sure. right? <laughs> not for sure. That's just just the rumor how it came up. That's fine. But my question about like the riots and obviously there was the um, African American and black people doing. Um, the majority of the riots over there with some agitators added in, just like we have going on now. Excuse me. Um, different associations. I kind of, in doing my homework to speak to you, I found out about um, NAGA, the mm-hmm. National African American Gun Owners Association, and some of them were saying, well, we wouldn't mind being with NRA, and some of them were like, absolutely not. What do you think about the other, especially that organization, organization gun rights popping up just to kind of spite seems the NRA? So... People have asked me um, why, are, why we should all get together. There just should be one big state group. There should just be one big national group. And I agree with the theory, right? There's strength in numbers. But you're never going to have one group. Uh, you've got a group called Hunters Against the NRA because they're, you know, they have the false impression that uh, guns uh, and gun rights are, is about hunting when it's not. You know, it's, it's about being able to defend your, yourself and your family who, against who tyranny. Has the, who has that Thought the hunters have the thought. No, not all hunters. There's a group called Hunters Against the NRA. No, I was just confused about who has the Hunters Against the NRA say right. it's just for hunt, guns are just for hunting, not for personal protection. Correct. Okay, gotcha. Right. So you're never going to have, and I'm just using that as an example. You're never going to have just one big group because there's always going to be uh, secondary differences, right? So, so what's the criticism that uh, some of my black friends have uh, about the NRA? Um, you know, going back to the uh, Black Panthers in California. They supported the ban. Allegedly, I haven't looked into this, but everything I've, I have, okay, let me rephrase. I have looked into this, but I haven't looked into this with a a lot of detail. And everything that I have seen has suggested that uh, perhaps uh, the NRA did back a ban on open carry to prevent the Black Panthers from uh, uh, marching on the Capitol building. So Mm -hmm. that's what I have read. Mm -hmm. Is it true? 
you know, I, I think it might be, but I don't know for 100% sure. Uh, so people point to that, which happened, what, back in the 60s, right? I mean, right. you know, obviously you've, they've changed leadership a couple times since then. Uh, more In more recent and modern times, they point to uh, Philando Castillo, which I believe was in Minnesota, and he was shot by... Uh, a police officer. He had a concealed carry uh, license. He was carrying a concealed firearm. And if you watch the video, you know, he's kind of reaching. The cop is kind of jumping, you know, in my armchair quarterback position. They were both kind of at fault. But uh, the criticism is, well, the NRA didn't make an, um, a statement. Well, right. yes, they did. Well, they didn't make it fast enough. They should have made a statement sooner. And, you know, I mean, that's always the criticism when after any mass shooting event. Well, the NRA needs to make a statement on this. So it's like um, you're, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. So you know what? Listen, bottom line is this. If you feel that the organization represents you, join the organization. Okay. If you feel that the organization doesn't represent you, then find an rep- uh, 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 organization that you believe does and join that organization. And, and don't join. You, it's, you're saying it's, you don't have to just be in one lane. Exactly. You know, I'm a member of the National Rifle Association, despite the fact that I have some differences with some of the current leadership. I'm a member of uh, National Gun Owners Association. I'm a member of the um, Illinois State Rifle Association. I'm t- trying to take my group, uh, Gun Rights for Illinois, and turn it into a nonprofit as well. Um, there's no reason you should only be in one or two. Okay. Why not be in, you know, it's like baseball cards. Collect those uh, those membership cards. Get them all. Get them <laughs> I'm with that. Um, so you made me, you, you brought up the CCW issue, and you're a CCW instructor. And I guess I'll give you a little brief history of my introduction to guns. Um, my, when I first, the first gun I remember um, having was a hunting rifle. Not having, but going out. My uncle took me out hunting rifle. We had a 33 and a 22. We just went out to shoot some deer. We didn't get anything we just was out there hanging out just showing me how a gun work you know just some safety because if you see this and pick it up and look straight into the barrel and pull it you don't know what's happening you, you can hurt yourself sure. so you know he was just showing me how to get familiarize myself with guns that's and then, very important and and that was when i was a little kid so like i said coming up you kind of know you know what to touch what not to touch things like that so ccw wise i had a guy that i used to work with at my first fire department job, he was super into guns. He was like the gun king. He said, there's only two things that gain value in life, watches and guns. And so I, I kind of still say that every now and then. And he actually sold me my first just regular gun that I had. And he, I asked him about a CCW way long time ago. He said, don't get it. I said, why? He said, well, and he, he was a white guy. He said, well, you're black and, you know, you, you can't change that. But it goes on your license. So when they pull you over, they already see you have a CCW. They're already assuming that you have a gun with you. That's already going to make the cop act a whole different way when he walks up to the car. You reminded me of Philandro Castile and, like you said, they both had faults. So... What is the benefit of someone getting a CCW and not just being out here with guns? Okay, well, I mean, the bottom line is you. a lot of people will say the Second Amendment is my concealed carry license, and I absolutely agree, but that defense is not going to hold up in court, and if it does, it's going to take hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And, and if you are out to prove a point, I will support your case. However, 
um, you know, most of us, we don't have that, uh, that luxury, that privilege, uh, you know, to, to sit in jail, to possibly lose our job, to prove a point. And, you know, we need more advocates that are willing to do that. Um, to, specifically to your example about, uh, you know, well, you're black, you shouldn't get a concealed carry license because the cop will know you have a gun. I, th that's just horse manure. Okay. Um, and, and, and let me explain my opinion on that. Mm -hmm. Um, in Illinois, to get a concealed carry license, you have to go through 16 hours of training, two full days. Um, you're going to, when you uh, have completed your training and passed your shooting qualifier, you're going to then have to have a uh, criminal background check. You're going, they're going to look for things like DUIs. They're going to look for uh, misdemeanors that may have involved threats. Uh, that's going to disqualify you from getting a concealed carry license. They're going to do an in-depth mental health check, um, and that will disqualify uh, you from getting a concealed carry license. Uh, what I like to say in my concealed carry classes, and I, I believe most cops will agree that the two most um, the two most stressful times of their day is on a domestic call because you know they may end up uh, fighting both the husband and the wife, or a traffic stop because they don't know what's going to happen, but. The police understand, and the police know, at least the ones I've spoken with, and I've spoken with many, they understand the process we've had to go through to, to get this permission slip to carry a firearm. They also understand that criminals have access to guns and are carrying guns without having gone through this process. When they come up against someone who has a concealed carry license and they've pulled us over, they know that there's a very high likelihood that in most cases, more often than not, this is going to be the easiest traffic stop of their entire day. Um, it's, it's not a badge. It's not, you know, uh, one person put it to me. It's, it's, uh, your good guy club membership. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, when you have this card, you have proof of, that your, your background is squeaky clean, your mental health, your criminal, no DUIs, all of that stuff. Uh, and, and again, true statistics, um, you know, uh, People with concealed carry licenses statistically break uh, even fewer laws than police officers do. Okay. Yeah, that, well, that makes total sense because that was my argument against them. Like, well, if I got it, don't that mean I'm good? Say, well, can't change who you are. So it's, it, it's, it's just an a interesting conversation. But you know what? It's not a unique perspective that I have heard many people say before. Even uh, my black friends have, you know, well, you have different rights than me. And it's like, uh, you know, we have the same rights. I understand we're treated differently. I, I get that. I'm not, you know, you can't control how other people treat you, but we do have the same rights and we all should be exercising our rights to the fullest uh, that we can. That, that that makes sense. Like you said, we're, we're supposed to have the same rights, but how we're treated is dependent upon the individual. Sure. So I'm, I'm with that as well. So not trying to get like super um, political or in-depth or anything. So... Let's talk about some fun gun stuff. Sure. Um, I have a large group of friends. They're on a website. I don't even want to say the website's name because then I feel like if I put it out <laughs> that um, more people will get on there and I won't get my chance to win anything. But they, like, win, like, the nicest stuff ever. Is like, it like one of those, I'm doing air quotes, webinar uh, groups? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, okay. I'm sure you know what it is. But like I said, I don't want to amp it up and tell anybody else out there about it. But um, they, like I said, they win some nice stuff. I got buddies that win ARs and raffles. Um, sure. They win in all kind of handguns. The first handgun, like I said, I went to police academy. My department bought me a Glock 23. And it was cool. It was fine. But then once I started using other handguns, I saw, like, how 
really nice some were like um trigger pull and everything. Mm-hmm. I remember I had to do my qualifying and with my gun I couldn't I couldn't do it. I used the qualifying officer, he had a Kimber 50 cal and he let me use that and I could hit everything in sight. Well, the trigger on the Kimber is single action versus that long heavy trigger on the Glock. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's what I'm saying. Let's talk about the fun stuff about guns. Sure. So give me some of your Super gun guy, what do you like and what do you not like? I am a very basic kind of person. Okay. Um, you know what? Um, I my the number one gun that I shoot the most is a uh, six hour P three twenty. It's what I carry both uh, um, concealed carry as well as uh, for work. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? I train with it the most because. Chances are, if I ever have to use a firearm, this is going to be the one that I end up using. But my favorite gun to actually shoot is my um, uh, short barrel. Well, I shouldn't say that. No, no. ATF, you didn't hear anything. It is a pistol. It's an <laughs> AR-15 pistol. Okay. It is not a short barrel. It is an AR-15 pistol. Uh-huh. Uh, and that thing is just an absolute just blast to do any sort of running and gunning with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just... I. I it puts a smile on my face. Now, I will say for anyone listening, if you ever get the opportunity to shoot a, a full auto a rifle, you take that opportunity and you can thank me later for it. Mm-hmm. I, I have had the chance to do that and it is exciting. Fun. Yeah, There's it, a reason they call it the giggle switch. Yeah, gun, guns are fun. So <laughs> when, when you have someone who understands responsibility and safety, putting that firearm in your hand for the first time, you will... Enjoy it, and and when you have a foundation uh, of that, listen. If I gave uh, a kid a twelve gauge shotgun without hearing protection, I'm going to turn them off on firearms forever. If I give them hearing protection and I give them eye protection and I explain how the firearm works and I let them start with a twenty two or even a BB gun, that's going to be a foundation on which to grow, and and that works with adults as well. I call it the range effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you take someone who is a little bit curious or even a little bit scared to the range, and you, you introduce them to the firearms in uh, a safe manner nine times out of ten you're turning that person into a future gun owner right and like i was saying that the naga video i watched it was on um youtube and it was a vice and the the woman said i went into the store i couldn't get no help i got a gun in my hand it was the best thing ever and even on one of your episodes somebody said the same thing that they that wasn't what they were about. They wanted one for home protection. They started training with it, and now it's like an outstanding hobby. Now, you talked about training a little bit. I heard you talk about that on your podcast as well, and I can't remember who was saying it, but they were talking about conscious versus unconscious, like driving a car. Sure. And, you know, you just get in your car, drive Go. off. Um, with guns, how do we get there other than time? How did you get there to, with driving? You, most of us, nearly nearly everyone who has a driver's license had to go through a driver's education course. I'll tell you this. I believe every single gun owner should get firearm training, but I don't believe it should ever be mandatory. It should be voluntary. And having said that, you know, when you, when you sit down and you go through a training course with a competent instructor who understands what he's doing and understands how, you've got a lot of instructors out there who are awesome shooters, but 
but don't quite understand how to put that information that they have in their brain and transfer it to the student's brain. Uh, transfer of knowledge and articulation is just as important, if not more important, being a good instructor. And when you have a good instructor teaching you how to use the firearm, and then you get that trigger time, and it is going to take trigger time, uh, that's how you get to that level of unconscious competency. And that's like we said, driving the car, you don't need to think about what you're doing. It's all automatic. Okay. And I remember in police academy, they were saying, whatever you get, practice with that. Like, don't get like a cowboy holster or get the, the um, what's it when you put it right here? You can Shoulder see, holster. Shoulder uh, holster. Miami Vice. Yeah, and you pull it out and swing, sling it out and everything. And then when we used to practice fight each other, we would try and take each other's guns and stuff like that. So even the training part was, was fun to me. Um, as far as training, it, I had a question. It's like... Do you think, like you got your good guy card to say you got your CCW, what about the training that you don't feel is mandatory, but if you volunteer and get more training, what if it like shows a different like badge or insignia? Like on the card? Yeah, on the card. But what would that accomplish though, I guess? What's the motivation behind that? Let's well, just saying this person knows what they're doing more. Yeah, okay, I, sure. Like, that's why they give us certificates when we take most of these classes to uh -huh. show to your buddies. I mean, you know, to, to, to flash that around, there's such a thing as a concealed carry badge, which I'm absolutely 100% up, uh, I'm against that. Um, so if you start putting, you know, special uh, stickers or st different colors or things like that on concealed carry licenses, I, I, I think uh, you turn it more into a novelty. I don't even think there should be a concealed carry license. It's my right to keep and bear arms. Bear arms meanings carry them. Um, so, you know, to... To put that on there, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't kind of don't see the purpose. You'd have to convince me. I, it's not my, uh, I'm not trying, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Okay. <laughs> um, Training-wise, like I said, to keep it fun, I see these videos of um, Keanu Reeves um, being John Wick and Halle Berry, I think, did it. Sure, yeah. And they like going through that outside um, gun shooting yes. thing where they have like the, Taryn, Taryn Tactical, they're doing, um, Taryn Butler is a uh, um, three-gun competition shooter, three-gun meaning rifle, pistol, shotgun. He is, uh, his school is the one who trained up Keanu Reeves. That's where those videos, I believe, I'm pretty sure, uh, that's where those videos uh, were taken. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, John Wick, right? Everyone knows uh, who he is and how he shoots. And um, it takes a lot of training to get to that point. Now, uh, I believe most most everyone can achieve that if they receive the same amount of quality training um, that Keanu Reeves received. That's the, and that's what I was asking because that looks like fun. I mean, just out there, you, it's shooting, a lot of fun. You're shooting, you're moving, you're ducking, you're dodging. I can't even have that much fun on Call of Duty, and I, I play a lot of. <laughs> well, Call I've of Duty. got a defensive shooting class uh, where it's uh, strictly pistol because you know, let's face it, as as armed civilians, that's what we're going to have on us should we ever need to use a firearm. Uh, and we start to introduce uh, a lot of that, you know, shooting on the move. Uh, um, you know, when we start to get into like uh, my own defensive pistol three curriculum, we're, we're shooting from laying positions. We're shooting from kneeling positions. We're shooting laying on our side, uh, shooting from chairs, you know, things that you don't really get to do that are important to learn um, because 
you're not going to figure it out in a life and death situation, right? We didn't do any of that in police academy. <laughs> you should come out to one of my classes. All, all the officers listening, uh, you should come out to a defensive pistol class. Uh, you know, again, defensive pistol three is when we start doing the uh, the the real uh, fun stuff. Absolutely, that's what we we gonna have a super plug session at the end <laughs> where you say everything, but. So we, we talked about the different guns and the different kind and what you like to shoot and competition and everything. So real quick, you said, well, you got a, that was a single action versus a heavy trigger. So why was I able to shoot everything with that Kimber? So the difference between a single action and a double action and, and a striker fire pistol like a Glock technically is, even though it doesn't have a hammer, uh, it is considered to be double action. And all single action versus double action means is on a double action, when you uh, press the trigger, you are performing two functions. You are both cocking the hammer and dropping the hammer. So it's a longer, heavier trigger uh, press when it's in double action mode. However, single action means that the trigger is only performing one function. That is simply just to drop the hammer, which means it's a lighter, shorter uh, trigger press. When you have a lighter, shorter trigger press, you're less likely to disrupt your sights uh, and throw the gun off target. So uh, it's much easier to, to shoot, uh, to shoot both accurately and fast uh, when you have that uh, uh, single action trigger. So, so that's why, but it's not, you can totally train through uh, a double action trigger uh, especially on the striker fire, you know, the I believe off the top of my head, the civilian pull weight on a Glock uh, is probably around five, six pounds. Um, whereas there's such a thing called the New York trigger, which is on the Glock, which is up there around 11 and 12 pounds. Oh, so that's really heavy. Dude. Yeah, real heavy. And it comes down to a lack of training. Uh, officers were with their finger on the trigger and they were shooting themselves and others negligently, not intentionally. And um, so the... The answer, incorrect answer, instead of uh, getting these officers proper training to keep their finger off the trigger until they're ready to shoot, they decided to put an 11, 12-pound trigger in a gun, which makes it horribly inaccurate. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, that's what I know. Like I yeah. said, I was throwing them. They were either going, they were going, they weren't going left or right, but he was, he was either going high or low. So you may have been anticipating the recoil. And yes. Then it, yeah. That's what I was doing. I, I knew what I was doing. Because yeah. they say it's supposed to just explode. And we can work, hand. and we can work through that, absolutely. But it sounds that's that's exactly what you're doing, anticipating recoil. Well, now I got all the light trigger action, so <laughs> don't don't come for me. Well, I can hit stuff now. You can still anticipate <laughs> recoil. I had a shooter in my last class. She was doing great, but after you know some strings of fire, she would start shooting low again. And I get next to her, I'd coach her through it. She'd be right back on target. And a little while later, it happens to everyone. It happens to any gun, single action, double. It it can happen to anyone. You it just takes. Uh, training and trigger time and occasionally having someone uh, tell you, hey, you're, you're shooting low again, focus on those fundamentals. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where a good instructor will come in. It was kind of like a golf swing at one point because I remember I would, when I would golf, I would slice the ball to the left or the right. I said, well, if I turn my whole body, then it's going to go the way I want it to go. That didn't work. Well, I, I have heard people say, well, you're shooting low, just aim high. And yes, that's yeah. what I was saying. That's what I was getting at. I was, I was hitting the ground, so I said, well, if I just aim a little higher, like if I aim for above the head, <laughs> it'll get to the body. I mean, I guess if it works in a pinch, but obviously, you, you know, you got to focus on those fundamentals because in a life and death situation, 
you're not going to, your threat is going to, your focus is going to be on the threat. You're not going to be thinking about, I need to aim high. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to then end up shooting lower than what you anticipate. And so you, you really got to focus on the fundamentals to make them muscle memory uh, so that you don't have to think about them in, in a split second life and death situation. Right. That's, it's like, I don't, I can't remember the name of the movie, but there's a movie where they were throwing bullets. Um, it had Angelina Jolie and Common and that guy that plays Professor X. And I can't think of the name of it. But they I'm were lost. Like, they were like throwing bullets. Like they were shooting a gun, but as they shot... They oh, were, they were like swinging the gun yes. and they were curving them around corners? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, like, yeah. Like uh, that. that nonsense isn't real. <laughs> but yes, please, please tell. Oh, you know what? You make an excellent point, though. Um, Every single person has had firearm training, whether they know it or not. And, and, and it comes from the media. It comes from the TV. It comes from the movies. It comes from rap videos. Uh, and, and it's wrong more often than right. Uh, you know, so you've got to get all that uh, pollution out of your brain because you don't uh, have unlimited rounds in a gun. You do have to reload. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why a lot of guys, uh, gun guys like uh, Keanu Reeves and um, his movie because he's actually – the closest to reality, he's, you actually see him reloading. You, if you sit there and count, he's not getting you know thirty rounds out of uh, uh, a standard um, magazine on a handgun. So uh, you know it's it's the, you like I said, we've all had firearm training, whether we know it or not, and so uh, we've got to get the pollution out of our head and, and cut through what's real and what's fake. Our producer here found a um, movie for it. It was called Wanted. Wanted. So that was I, I couldn't think of the name of it, but thank you very much. Um, and you said we all have had training. You said rap videos. That uh, that just made me chuckle because it's all it's the, it's the sideways shooting. Like we we shooting holding a gun to the side. So believe it or not, I know someone who had a firearm modified to put sights on the side of the gun. Wow, that is it's a novelty. Obviously, I but guess you can do anything if you have money. And and that site I was telling you about, you can win like accessories to the gun. You can win the sights. You can win the laser. Sure. Only thing you can't win is silencers because that's another thing. Not legal in Illinois. Right. That's another Illinois thing. Which oh. is stupid because it's a safety device. Now, you know, right. It's a safety device. And one more question about the silencer. It's not like TVs or the movies. It was like pew, pew, pew. Doesn't it just move the sound around? So all it's not a silencer. I know that originally, yes, purists are going to say, well, uh, Maxim, who invented the, again, doing air quotes, the silencer, patented as a silencer. Uh, the industry is moving away from using that term because words matter, and that gives the, the improper, like I said, we've all had training, and it comes from TV, and it's wrong. Um, all it is doing is suppressing the sound. It's a muffler. Like a car has a muffler. You can still still hear the car, um, but it's suppressing that sound to a volume that is safe for human ears. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it, it, it's, it's still loud. You can still hear it unless it's like a, a 22 with subsonic ammunition. And even then you're still hearing the firearm action moving back and forth. Um, but uh, I would it, love to hear that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's, uh, you know, they're, they're fun to shoot again. If you get the opportunity, of course, uh, you know, you have to have either go out of state or uh, know someone who has a tremendous amount of federal licensing because they are, even though they're illegal in Illinois for 99% of gun owners, if you go get a federal manufacturing license and then what they call a special, special occupants tax uh, referred to as an SOT, um, you then can have full auto and... Um, 
uh, suppressors, but you're talking about an investment that's in the tens of thousands of dollars. So it's not like uh, these are people who are running businesses, who are selling uh, firearms to law enforcement and uh, and things like that that have these uh, types of license, federal licenses. I talked about this on another one of my podcasts, and my buddies and me are like go hard or go home people. So I, I would be into that. <laughs> I, I would, I would, I would, I would get into that. Um, let me ask you. Uh, I keep saying one more question. I always you ask that. me as many as you just, want. Just questions. Um, chipping. Um, what? Like I know Springfield's, for instance, they have where when you shoot the gun, it leaves like the fingerprint on the casing, so that that's why a lot of times when officers are doing investigations, they don't want you to mess with the casing or step on the casing or anything. And that can like give you an idea of where the gun is at. What about chip-wise? Um, how do you feel about that as far as guns go? Like fingerprint chips and biometrics and firearms? Yes. I think keep it simple, stupid. I think that I've had biometrics and computers before, and I absolutely hate it. Uh, Murphy's Law, what can go wrong, will go wrong. I've had to swipe my finger on my laptop like uh, three, four times and then sometimes switch hands because it wouldn't read the first time. Mm -hmm. um, there's a saying uh, in self-defense, when seconds count, the police will be there in minutes. And, um, you know, if someone is coming at you and you need to point that firearm and press that trigger to save your life, you just died. Okay. Um, I, you know, I understand that uh, it would be a benefit, uh, you know, like ammo, ammunition serialization, which is a technology that doesn't exist, uh, that they're trying to to push upon ammunition because it'll help law enforcement, um, you know. But it, most of these laws that are pushed are pushed for the sole purpose of making it harder for us to exercise our rights, making it more costly for us to exercise our rights, which then uh, keeps more of us dependent upon the government for our, you know, self-protection. And I like to say, you cannot rely on the government for everything. I think they've proven they mess up everything they touch. All right, so keep it simple, stupid. That's the what you were talking about with guns. My question is automatic versus revolver. Like, I know revolver is just really basic, and you said you like basic stuff. Do you like, like, Revolvers? I'm not opposed to revolvers. I think uh, firearms are tools, and I would not uh, pound a nail with a screwdriver. I think <laughs> that the revolvers have a place. Okay. Um, um, but I am a semi-automatic pistol kind of guy. Uh, yes, you know, revolvers are probably the most simple that there is. Uh, if you just absolutely cannot figure out how to work through a malfunction manipulation with a semi-automatic pistol or no matter what we do, you can't rack the slide even. You know, there's people that have issues with arthritis, right? And um, sometimes they just can't operate that semi-automatic pistol. And so we, uh, we want to maybe then put them into a, a revolver. But... Um, you know, I'm not opposed to revolvers. It's not my first choice. It is very simple. It's a tool, and it has its place uh, in the toolbox. Right. I, I like that. I'm not going to hammer a nail with a screwdriver. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty cool. So I'm out of all the questions ever. Like I said, I just kind of wanted to hit you with some fun stuff um, about guns. Anything that I didn't ask you that you want to bring up um, gun-wise? Yes, there's one thing I want to bring up. Um, you know, 
most of us as gun owners have chosen to get into gun ownership as a means of uh, being able to defend our families. Um, I know obviously there's some people that like it for the recreation, aren't, aren't too concerned uh, with the safety aspect, but the vast majority of gun owners I've surveyed uh, buy guns um, as a means of defending themselves and their family. Uh, on the flip side, many of these same gun owners will then um, allow and rely on someone else, some other organization, some other entity to defend their right to self-defense. And that doesn't compute in my brain. You need to actively get out there and defend your rights. Our rights are under attack every single day. Um, in this current legislative session, uh, there were over two or 300 gun bills introduced in the state of Illinois. I bet you didn't know that. You have to get active. You have to get involved. You have to defend your right. No one's going to push that wheelbarrow. It's your responsibility to, to push that. It's your responsibility to defend your right. Otherwise, our rights are going to get taken away. They're being nibbled away a little at a time. Every single year, we're moving backwards an inch, an inch, an inch. And when we look back, we've lost miles. Get active, get involved, defend your rights, support organizations that defend your right. But not just that, you have to put in the effort yourself. Every single gun owner needs to be defending their rights. There's 2.5 million registered gun owners in the state of Illinois. That is 2.5 million voices. If we all stand up and be heard, there is no gun law that we couldn't overturn. That's awesome. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, I forgot to talk to you about my buddy who like builds guns and hopefully he's listening. He's like the AR king. He, he builds like some of the most magnificent guns I've ever seen. It's so, like Legos for adults. We can talk another time about that. I'm happy to come back whenever you want me. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Um, so with that being said, get some plugs in. Talk about your class if sure. you're offering it. Um, of course, you got to talk about your podcast. Anything sure. else? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, uh, the name of my company is Alpha Concepts, and the podcast is the Alpha Concepts Podcast. You can go to alphaconcepts.com. It's spelled with a K. I'm on all social media under the name Alpha Concepts. I'm a very easy guy to get a hold of. I do basic pistol training, concealed carry training. I do defensive uh, pistol training as well. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, everyone should uh, always go out and get more training. Uh, give my podcast a listen. You know, we've got a lot of good episodes. Uh, I, every Monday morning, we put out a new episode. I just interviewed a manufacturer rep from a reloading company that's talking about his machines that put out 3,500 rounds per hour. I mean, that's just insane. Uh, you know, I've got uh, other great episodes talking about first-time shooters. Just did, recorded an episode with some wheelchair-bound shooters and some of the challenges they've had to face. So, you know, I'm really trying to hit a broad spectrum of, uh, of the gun culture. And uh, yeah, like I said, give that Alpha Concepts podcast a listen. Please do. On the Fire and Iron Media platform, make sure you give us all a listen. We have some other podcasts that are coming out and are going to be coming to you fairly soon. But the Alpha Alpha Concepts podcast is good. I, like I said, I listen to every episode. Thank and you. They, they were they were really good. Um, as far as I go, for me, Severin Henderson, Department Three C, everywhere, all social medias, or if you want to follow me individually and see some of the stuff I do, I am Sevy. With that being said, Thomas, thank you very much for coming in. My pleasure. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. You have something to say, people want to listen. 
How's that, Daddy?